before to you guys I'm going to have I told you guys I was going to start having more guests on um, just a co-host with me uh, just so we can have conversations um, about different topics and different things that are going on but before we jump into that just want to thank you guys for all the support you constantly show the podcast thank you for checking out previous episodes um, check us out on anchor um, and on there you can find a link to everywhere that you listen to our, um, to our podcast. I almost said iPod. I'm tripping. So podcast, um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, uh, whatever you use, iHeart, like wherever you listen to our podcast, we're there. So check us out, man. For today's episode, I got my man, uh, Rashad, in the building with me. Uh, we're going to have a deep conversation today. Me and Rashad go way back. Um, he's actually one of the groomsmen in my wedding. Uh, Rashad is in the finance field, um, so our topic is going to be kind of in that area today. Uh, without further ado, Rashad, what's up, bro? Yo, 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 yo. Um, Rashad in the building here. Um, recent Morgan State University graduate student. Masters. Masters. Yes, sir. Undergrad degree from Bowie State University um, in finance, so... Really just a, a mud baby that got lucky enough to go to college. <laughs> Been knowing V Yo, since the sandbox. A mud real. baby. I yeah. knew V when, when he used to work overnights at the convenience store. At Royal Farms. <laughs> <laughs> Had to worry about all the, all the nonsense <laughs> off the at, late night. At you Royal feel Farms. me? Wow. But yeah. nah, man. So we're we going to get into a day, talk about some. Um, some financial literacy tools and just the concept of generational wealth from a top level perspective so yeah man appreciate you coming on to talk about this with me anything um, yes sir so today we're talking about generational wealth um and the gap and especially about how it affects us black folks uh, but i was just looking up some stats on business insider and they talked about how the gen, um, the millennials, like we are the largest generation in the workforce in the United States, mm-hmm. but we're the least wealthy. Um, so our so the millennial generation holds four point six four point six percent. That is about five point nineteen trillion. That's that's crazy. Um, and then you got the uh, boomers who are ten times wealthier than us. They hold fifty three percent, and that's fifty nine point nine six trillion. And then you got the Gen X. Um, that's also twice um, the 28, they hold 28.5 trillion of the United States wealth, um, which is, sorry, sorry, the, the boomers hold higher than the Gen X and the millennials. They hold twice than the uh, Gen X has. Uh, but you were breaking down the differences in these to me before we got on. So Gen X is our grandparents. Nah, so baby boomers is grandparents. Like- right. Baby boomers would be people born starting 1946 mm-hmm. and between 1946 and 1964. So most of them is like very, very late 50s, like mm-hmm. 59, and then like maybe to like 70, something like that. 
So that's baby boomers. Gen X is going to be probably right after that, from right. 65 to 80. This is where most of our parents are. Mm -hmm. And um, Gen Y or millennials is 81 to like 96. Like that's our last cutoff. Like not to knock people born 97 and after, but right. they in the whole. I think they're Gen Z or something. They're yeah. in the whole yeah. new generation <laughs> for real. But no, like I, I just, uh, I just was looking over some numbers, and I think. Um, a big thing as it pertains to the baby boomers, which is crazy, is like there wasn't a cultural push for them to go to college. So mm, a lot of them kind of got jobs directly in the workforce and in the work field. You feel me? And uh, and they was definitely coming right off of World War Two and all of those like wor those world wars, essentially. So the whole concept of uh, ownership was like really big for them, like mm. business ownership, things of that nature. And like they also... This is when big companies like was really getting their hold on the world for real. Like All right. the Industrial Revolution, mm -hmm. I wanna say what that started, eighteen ninety. So you figure the end of the Industrial Revolution was early nineteen hundreds. Right. Then we had a few wars. So I say the baby boomers was probably a good place in stability and um they took advantage of it for real. But I mean, essentially the numbers are still crazy to see that millennials is really booming like how we are, despite the fact of, you know, bro, the statistics. We still, we still out here trying to get to it, and um, that's a great point you brought up about how back then in their day, they didn't need so much education to get a job. Didn't, yo. Like now, bro, you gotta have forget a master's. You gotta have, I don't know, a doctorate, you feel me, to be making that good money, man. What? It's like back then when you go in the interview, they ain't ask you like, yo, how many degrees you got? But now, mm -hmm. even on the application, bro, you seen masters, masters, masters. Mm -hmm. Like I think I think companies took better care of their employees also. Like my grandfather, like my grandfather was a longshoreman mm -hmm. and uh my other grandfather worked for the state, rest in peace, both of them. Mm -hmm. And um so essentially, like they would get a job at a young age, they would stay at that job, they would retire from that job. Mm. All the money and wealth that they earned, they would, you know, it would all go towards the family. Like right. they, they weren't necessarily selfish. They didn't have their own, you know, ideals. It would go towards the family essentially. Right. And at least I know for the black generation obviously is different than our counterpart. And that's not necessarily in our control, out of our control. But I know that a lot of them was like first generation everything, mm -hmm. you know, back then. Like my grandfather, his um his mother was a Native American, um, and she was from North Carolina. Right. And they was like descendants of slaves. So they never had property, ownership, none of that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, I guess, he was born and they developed that stability, essentially. Um but another key thing to mention is that um, wealth is something that's accrued over time. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we compare ourselves to people older than us, we got to kind of weigh into the fact that, you know, riches and wealth are two completely different things. You know what I mean? Like you can have riches currently and be poor tomorrow. You know, wealth is like sustained over a period yeah. of time. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they've been around for so long, they just have that much of a head start. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what they were saying in here. They were like, mm -hmm. we millennials haven't even reached their peak earning years yet. 
mm-hmm. like in some like the youngest ones are still earning entry level salaries right um but they're saying like it's still like the gap is still not supposed to be this crazy right like um like they're going back to 1989 like when boomers were millennials in 1989 um they held 21% of the US wealth Dang. but we only hold 4.6% now like that is that is a huge gap from 4 to 21 they had at their age and our age now mm-hmm. but um you I, made a great point in there when you were talking about when you said um like the gap between like when it comes to like black folks and the white folks Oh yeah, and then you were like, "That's not our fault." You want to like dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So like, I mean, the harsh reality is that as a member of the black community, we have more wealth then than we have now. Mm-hmm. So as time has gone on, we've kind of transitioned away from our original cultural makeup that helped us get, you know, financial security or greater financial security. Because I won't ever say that we were secure. Right. Um. We've always been uh, poor, you know, people, but in terms of how we handle situations culturally were much more beneficial to us. Like, if you even go, like, before the segregational period, like, we didn't have the nicest facilities, but we had our own facilities. Mm -hmm. We didn't have, you know, the best education, but we had predominantly black schools. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Historically, black colleges and universities that were still being created. Yeah. When's the last time you heard of HBCU being created? Like, nah, bro. Exactly. So it's <laughs> like, like from the yeah. Nah. And it's like even now we identify a predominantly white institute as like an esteemed education, but right. we don't realize education is based on you. It's the same textbooks. Mm. It's all in how you apply yourself or what you take to the next level. So, and but I mean, but you don't think that the like where you go to school affects that because if you look about, if you if you look into it right, uh-huh. this is going into like different areas. Mm-hmm. So if you if you think about when people like where people live, like communities, like right. certain communities, if you're buying a home, like mm-hmm. it's, the price is going to be different simply based on the school, like the school system, mm-hmm. like within that community, because it's looked at as a better school system. Let's say. Howard County versus Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. It's like a big difference, you feel me? It's like Howard County. Anne Arundel County was like the best um, school like system. This system in the country. I don't know, somewhere in the, anything in the country or the state. Right. Um, from yeah, the past year. Top. But like, so you don't think like where you live like, imp- like impacts the type of learning you get? Because I feel like it do. It does think- because if you just look at like, like the learning situation of kids in Baltimore City compared to kids in Howard County, it's like they're in completely different learning environments. Like, facil- even facilities, like, are mm-hmm. way different. And I feel like that can affect, like, a student, like, just, like, the type of learning environment they're in. Like, you don't think that's the thing? I think that there's so many complex factors that we can't associate it to one thing. Like, I can't say this student performs better than that student because they had an equal situation, but they lived in different areas. Now, I can say the likelihood of one student may be better than another student, but I can't blame that on the school. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I say that is essentially, okay, so if you are African-American, Black, um, Aboriginal, whatever you identify yourself with, right? if you live in a low-income community and you go to school with other low-income students, chances are if you're smart, your grades will be higher. You'll mm-hmm. be able to get by easier. 
if you live, if you go to a school in maybe a more affluent neighborhood, you may struggle to be a C student among those other peers. Your, your intellect is the same, but your grades is different. So it's almost like, are you, it's almost like, does it really, does it really necessarily matter? It matters, bro. I think it matters, bro. And then, and then another thing you got, another thing that we got it, that we got to take into account. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, it's more so based on what your parental structure puts in you. Like actually Killer Mike and, um, DJ Envy had this whole dispute on the breakfast club. Right. And it was like a very solid tap in like pretty much Killer Mike. Ask DJ Envy like you know his DJ Envy's son plays at basketball for some private school. He goes right. to a private school. Yeah, and um, Envy was like, "Yo, he go to his private school because it's better. It's better education. He's learning better things, et cetera, et cetera." So Killer Mike asked him like, "Yo, did your like when it was time for his son to go to college? He was like, did he have a scholarship?" And uh, Envy was like, "No, nah, he yeah. didn't have a scholarship." <laughs> so Killer Mike was like, "So you paid for him to go to high school. Right. Now you about to turn around and pay and for him to go college. to college, but you swore was a better <laughs> learning, learning environment. environment. But why didn't his grades and accolades get him scholarship worthy to 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 get you know into a university? And that's a point that you got to acknowledge. And then another thing is, we can't disregard history. In the '60s and the '50s, my family from East Baltimore." So you could be from Chicago, Detroit, Southside Chicago, Atlanta. Right. In the fifties and sixties, the cities were still the cities. It was still it wasn't as much drugs, but it was still city life. Yeah. In terms of crime, in terms of low income, in mm -hmm. terms of dense population. Yeah. And they all went to schools. They all performed very well. They all went to college or just it was a cultural thing mm -hmm. back then. And I think my the issue that I have with leaving certain communities is that we can't always associate better with white because no, nah, if, yeah, nah, nah. If, if we always associate better with white we'll always find ways to try to mix and mingle with them versus restoring what we have so i like to keep the thought process of we still can do certain things in our schools now i do think there are some systemic things that don't benefit us like no child left behind if you're not reading at a 10th grade reading level, you shouldn't be promoted to the 10th grade. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like, so I'm going to be honest. If you don't, if you don't want to go to school in ninth grade, you shouldn't be mandated to go to school because it's like you're impacting the learning environment for the people that actually want to be there. Yeah. And yeah. once you factor in no child left behind, kids that's not in school, that don't want to be school. Now you can actually appropriately apply those resources to the kids that's left in those classrooms. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's like, you know, it's so many cultural problems that black people face in our communities that co that come into the schools, but that's not the school's job. I think that's what I, that was, that's what yeah. I was trying to say. It's like, I, on the last episode, I was talking to um, um, Kara Palmer, and she was talking about how just how things are different when you compare mm -hmm. them, like black communities to white communities. She was like, she was saying something as simple as a good grocery store is hard to have access to. Like you Man. have to walk miles to you're not seeing the Wegmans, you feel me, in the hood, you feel me? Like you gotta Yo. walk miles to get there and we were just talking about how that can just, even that can affect. Yo, like, you wanna know us. something crazy, yo? Go on your phone, right? And right. like look up like 
when did Trader Joe's open? And like, when did all these like markets open? Like, look up like when they open. And like, it'll be so crazy like when you see when they're founded, cause these places been around for forever. 1958, Trader Joe's. Yo, we ain't know about Trader Joe's till like last <laughs> yeah, year, yeah, yo, I'm 26. That's, that's real. Like, you feel me? So That's real. And that's, Wegmans, that's, 1916, and I ain't really started getting 1916, into Wegmans bro. until I moved out of Baltimore to Howard County. 1916, like, but see, and that's the whole aspect of things are more systemic because yeah. when you grow up, growing up in a black household, you always had three courses. You had your, your starch, your vegetable, your protein. Right. Your mother didn't let you eat candy all day because you were nah. bouncing off walls. <laughs> your mother didn't let you do certain things. Now, these yeah. younger generations, they're a little different because they got younger parents. But if you got parents that was born in the 60s, 70s, you know, even early 80s, yeah. they wasn't letting you do certain things without structure. So right. the fact that we didn't have Wegmans or, you know, Whole Foods or, well, Whole Foods is newer, but all these, you know, these Trader Joe's, et cetera, et cetera, it just goes to show you that the stuff is way more systemic. Like even Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A been around for years, bro. If you live in a hood, I didn't know what Chick-fil-A was till nope. I was like in high school, bro. Till I was in high school. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like it, it's it's crazy that we wasn't even in environments to see what these things that's were. That's crazy, man. It's crazy, it's scary, and, bro. And, and the food quality, yeah, the food quality is so different. Like you don't even think about it because we were talking about how if you got all these big, well-known grocery stores in these, um, whatever communities you want to mm -hmm. call it, and but you have our communities where they don't you don't have those type of stores mm -hmm. so we're probably getting the last of the last of their like products you feel me um the produce it's like we're getting things that these other stores don't probably don't want and mm -hmm. they want to talk about us being more healthy and more that's like we're not even getting the that are uh, the produce to eat healthy you feel me if we do get it it's probably older uh, so it's not gonna last longer it's gonna expire sooner so i just well, i just looked up wealth Mm -hmm. online and it says an abundance of valuable possessions or money right and like everything we just described just rolls up to wealth well it's like yeah. okay you 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 went to college they made you take a psychology class we all do you all mm -hmm. learn about um abraham maslow's yeah uh pyramid with the yeah, physiological right. order psychology yeah. of needs yeah. and at the bottom the three things that all people need that's essential to life is food, water, shelter. Yep. The three things most essential to life, you as a black person, you don't control. You don't control. You don't control the food that you eat. You don't control the water that you drink. And you don't control the shelter. Nah. You feel me? Most of you, most people live in runner, rental communities. And yeah. if you're a homeowner, you feel me, then you have the burdens of being a homeowner. Oh. But aside from that, right. you don't own or control what you eat or drink. And nutrition no. rolls no. up straight. Like, so... When it gets into wealth, that's why wealth is so important because they have this, they have things controlled at a level that's beyond, you know, a car dealership, a clothing line. Exactly. Like, it's they, so much like, deeper than that. They man. control systems that churches operate on. They control like every agricultural regulation in the world. Like yep. the first job ever was a shepherd. Yo, nobody knows anything about farming. So everything <laughs> that we eat, we trust in we something trust that they've given us. The same people that enslaved us for years, we're trusting them when it comes to, you know, when it comes to food. But it's like, I'm not even trying to really focus on that. My whole, my whole thing is, 
as a community in terms of wealth and in terms of building wealth, there are no limits into like what we should have our hands in. We should have our hands in agriculture. We should have our hands in distilled wine. We should have our hands in water. We should have yeah. our hands in food, produce, poultry. Like our hands should be in all of these things. Everything. And I think that that's one concept that we lost from the baby boomers because the baby boomers, everything was fresh. Yeah. And the foundation of this country wasn't necessarily rooted. It was still kind of changing they was able to put their hands in so many different things. Like if you live in Baltimore, um, Stop, Shop, and Save is actually a black-owned supermarket, probably one of the ghetto supermarkets ever. I don't even know if they got any <laughs> that's open anymore. I think it's like might be one down yeah, Church Square or something. I think one. Yeah, yeah. but but at um, Stop, Shop, and Save was like a black-owned supermarket, and it's like this is why I I say. We got to stay at our schools. We got to stay in our communities because we're not going to build wealth until we restore the community. Like I look at it like this. Black people don't live in communities. We live in neighborhoods. And mm -hmm. I get I got this from Claude Anderson. A community is a place where you can employ and implore resources. So if you can't, yo, V, that's that's your little brother. That's Varfi. Varfi right. needed a job. He about to be 14, 15. He can come work in my store. Yeah. If you can't do that, you don't necessarily have a community, and you need a community to build wealth. Like, a joint, the joint is mad. Like, it's super systemic, but it's like, but to get off of that and how deep that is, because that's super deep. I would just while you were talking, I was just okay. looking up why um, Stop Shop and Save ran out of business. Yeah. Like it was, they were like the store didn't have a niche. Um, the store catered to low-income neighborhoods and yeah. rely on the fact that it was an African-American-owned company. Yep. Customer, customers want the most value for their dollar regardless of who owns their neighborhood grocery mm -hmm. store. But see, even that's hard because it's like, if I'm the only one and I'm trying to sustain business, mm -hmm. I have to have prices that make me profitable in order for me to sustain business. Like That's like Walmart. Walmart has these low-cost strategies. You can have a mom and pop store that sells everything Walmart sells, but right. Walmart's gonna get within a five mile radius mm. and sell everything for cheaper. For cheaper. And have everything in the same location. You don't even realize, like, yo, you go to Walmart and buy an iPad, it could be a Best Buy across the street. The, it, the Best Buy might have the iPad $20 cheaper, but Walmart, you're gonna be able name. to get the headphones, mm. the charger, you'll be able to get, you know, some toilet paper that you need, so you're getting up going there for the convenience. And yeah. like, we don't even understand low cost strategy. Like, that's like that's stuff that as a business major, we had to learn. But in terms of like, in terms of like generational wealth, certain things that we can do right now is like understand the importance of credit, mm. understand how to leverage credit understand the difference between an appreciating asset or a depreciating asset right like yo we'll get a we'll get a job make a cool little you know eighty thousand a year sixty thousand whatever first thing we go do is go buy a new lex or a new act and i i can't even talk because i got a new act out front. <laughs> but it's like a car is a depreciating say, asset got. it's right. so crazy because a car is a depreciating asset it's like the moment you drive it off the lot, the value goes down. The value continues to go down. My pops just bought a pickup truck. Now, pickup truck still a depreciating asset, but definitely hold its value. Definitely yeah. been making some side money on doing some exactly. moving jobs and yeah. stuff like that. Vans, another another car that holds their value. But like even off cars all the, all together, 
we need to be buying property. Yeah. Houses, commercial property, garages, storage units. Think about a storage unit. Let's say that you have a hundred units, right? And let's say that's that you, money, bro. Let's say that you charge a hundred dollars a month to rent a hundred units. hundred units. That's ten thousand dollars a month. And for a year of operation, that's one hundred twenty thousand. Let's say your expenses are forty thousand. You bringing in eighty thousand a year off of a hundred units, and, and you can expand on that. What, what 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 type of work does that require? Sweeping them out. Sweeping, yeah. Have have locks. <laughs> you feel me? Maybe yeah. some type of insurance in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah. But it's like it's so crazy because it's like I never would have thought about owning a storage unit until I was exposed to different, you know elements of elements of wealth and i was right. like dang yo like my man just copped a vending machine that's something else that's super crazy and it's like i'm not llc twitter like i got my llc and all that like, <laughs> yo, i'm not yo, i'm not llc twitter like i'm not the person that's going to tell you to go start a business if you're not business savvy like right. everyone has a lane you feel what i'm saying like yo you can get a job making Seventy thousand dollars a year, and if you live on forty thousand dollars a year with this within your means, you have a thirty thousand dollar profit. Right. After four years, that's a hundred and twenty thousand. You can go buy a house. You can buy a house with a conventional loan and rent it out, right. and then cash flow yeah, twelve hundred, yeah. thirteen hundred a month. So it's like, and granted, that's what. It's so crazy how we model behind what our white counterpart does in terms of the schools they go to, the clothing that they wear, the places that they work. Why don't we model behind them when it comes to cultural things like buying property, mm. like um, reading as a pastime, Man, yeah. like, t you know, being super involved with your health, you know, things like that. It's so crazy how it's like, we take the easy things to follow behind, to follow them, behind yeah. but the challenging, difficult things that's really going to get us yeah. results. It's like we completely like just disregard it for mm -hmm. real. And it's like, yo, they're nothing without us. Like black culture is literally the way of the world, bro. Like I was talking to my homegirl and I was like, yo, if black women didn't exist, who would gay white men act like? And that's like no offense to you know no offense yeah. to the LGBTQ community. It's just so it's so funny. It's not even necessarily offensive. It's just like black is so cool. Everyone wants to adopt a piece of everyone, their culture. Bro. You know what I'm saying? Everyone. So it's like when 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 I when I understand that it's like damn everyone wants a piece of us and we not getting paid out of it. Mm. And you know I even have my beefs with politicians because I feel like. They get so they get so heavy into doing for everyone that we don't know how to give resources exclusively to us because we need the resources more. You feel me? We need the resources more. We need to learn how to do these things. Like, yeah. and once you once you change your mind, everything is a mindset thing, and that's man that that's mad cliche because you hear that all the time, but it's definitely true. Like once you change your mindset, I just found out recently. Um, it's a thing where if you add someone as an authorized user to a credit card, you can, you know, impact their credit score. So some of our counterparts was oh, taking, wow. their, taking their oldest credit card, I'm talking like 20, 30 years of credit history, and taking their child and adding them as an authorized I user on their credit card. That. What? And then I'm talking like beacon scores jumping 
40, 50 points, you know, that's the difference between when you buy a car having a 2.9% interest rate and having mm -hmm. a 6.5% interest rate and paying a ton of interest on the back end. But it's like, that's something that we never heard about. We never before. heard of. I, I, buy, I buy stock and I model behind Warren Buffett. Like Warren Buffett has a concept of he only buys things that he understands from top to bottom. So like if he goes to a restaurant, if he goes in a restaurant and has a Coke soda, every time he goes to a restaurant, he gets a Coke soda. So he buys stock in Coke because it's like that's something that I kind of like. I'm drinking it all the time. All the time, yeah. I was just on the same frame of mind. Like, yo, I got man Under Armour stuff upstairs. I'm about to start my Under Armour. Like, they gonna pay me to buy all this stuff. I got my phone company through AT and T. So I looked at their sticker, their ticker symbol, and bought stock in AT and T. Like, um, you know, it's it's wealth is the long game, and you have to always hustle for your last name, not your first name. Yeah. You know, and I think I think the biggest, I think the biggest. Uh, but you don't do, think we start behind though? That's the this the thing. This yeah. the thing. I think the biggest hurdle that we have is that wealth takes so long to acquire. Right. No one wants to look up at sixty and like yo, I haven't experienced life because I spent my entire life I'm building wealth, trying to build wealth. Yeah. So then you run into people that's like. This is what this is what people do. They either go crazy when they're young, never bounce back, try to be committed, have a midlife crisis, go crazy, don't <laughs> get ahead, you feel me? Or they slow grind all the way out and then they be so emotionally distraught from slow grind and right. they just damage their family. Nobody wanna be around them. The wealth that they built can't go to nobody or they wanna sell it. Like it's really challenging trying to find that that grounds you know, to acquire wealth. But I also realize it's such a challenge because we do it from an individual perspective. Mm. If we had a more group-oriented group thing, yeah. it would be so much easier. Like right now, okay, I'm, I'm looking to buy a house by the end of this year. Right. You know, God willing, you and your fiancé will be purchasing a home as well. Amen. That's a miracle. That's a blessing. Yes, sir. Let's say that like, circumstances was a little different like let's say for example you wasn't married and i wasn't married us going half buying a crib paying it off super fast renting it out and then like then we can take our respective women yeah. and go buy another crib yeah. and just cash flow that's major but it's like most african-american men can't even trust one another Man, to come together with that. yeah. So it's like it's yeah. so it's so crazy because like you'll have like big groups of white developers All buying entire together. communities. Entire men they don't even know. Just they got lawyers. They got the stuff contractually worked up. They got everything put put together. All they doing is coming with with the check, yep. dropping the check, and then they seeing the money on the back and not even thinking about it. And this is why I say group. Like, group everything is so important. Like, we already do things as a group. Just not the right things. Yo, look at voting. How you think Joe Biden got elected? He didn't get elected from anyone else. He got elected from us the voting as folks. a group. The black population That's voting as a group, That's why trying to say it's yo. illegal because we finally voted. I feel like we voted we, prior to more than ever before. So now they want us to the vote. So that's exactly, crazy. yo. We, it's like... It's like even though we make up only 12% of this country, allegedly, when you put 12% together, that's very strong. That's a yeah. very strong, you know, Man, what? especially if, if the other side is split down the middle. If they split 
right down the middle and our 12% is going on one side, we easily swing anything, whichever easily, direction we want it to. Easily. So it's like, I think from a cultural perspective, we got to learn how to come together, learn how to have, you know, integrity, learn how to be better, you know, have um, more firm discipline with our business interactions. Like all of this stuff is going to yield generational wealth. I went to this, um, I went to this little carryout mm -hmm. off Ur Urban Avenue, a little Urban Shopping Center. It's called Seafood and Chicken. And it's so crazy because, like, it's it's owned by, like, Oriental people or something like that, like most places. And when you go in there, um, I've had, like, a, a, I've had, like, a bunch of, like, great experiences there. Right. And, like, I had a bad experience. And when I had the bad experience, I seen, like, other customers, like, be irate, like, be real turned up. And I was just like, yo, why they so turned? And then, like, I went to a hair, a hair place out there trying to buy a do-rag. Mm -hmm. And I seen, like, another customer, like, bad experience. Then, like, I went to a liquor store, bad experience. And it's like, when from the outside looking in, if you go to these places in these, you know, low-income areas, you automatically assume that it's the customer with the problem. Right. But when you go there enough... And you see how these other people are in our communities and they giving us poor customer service and treating us crazy. You understand why the patience of the customer is so much shorter. Mm. You know, by me not really engaging it as much now that I'm older, I don't have to go there as much. Like, right. I, don't, I'm, I can go to Chick-fil-A. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, it's like when you see it and you engage it, it's easy to understand, like, you empathize with the people of those communities. Right, because they don't have any other option. And I say all that to say, why do we not give black businesses the same forgiveness that we give these Indian people, Oriental people, Vietnamese ladies at the nail salons? Like, yo, you have a bad encounter with black business. People be like, oh, I'm done with him. And I'm just like, yo, you like... I know you've been somewhere else that was owned by Terrible. another demographic, right. and they you did stayed. you dirty and did you crazy. Walmart, and you, come on now, Walmart. come on now. How many times Walmart you try to return somewhere out the receipt and they look at you like you crazy like you or crazy. something like that? Oh, like we still go back the next week. Exactly. So it's like when you understand how to, it's again, it all comes down to that group thing. When you realize, yo, we really all we got, and the change in mindset, like wealth is inevitable. Look at. All these demographics of people that have acquired wealth that are not white, that mm -hmm. live in America, right. that came here after us. Look at Japanese Americans. Look at Indian Americans. Look at Chinese Americans. Yo, all these demographics, of, look at the Jewish American. Granted, they've been having bread for a long time. Yeah. But still, the Jewish people like will literally live in a community. They will put resources in the community. They'll put a mosque there, their church. They'll put a supermarket Jewish people don't even, they can't even drive on the weekends. So they got to walk around. got to walk. They need you go out Park Heights in the yeah. Jewish part, yo, you be seeing them like walking around. So it's, it's so crazy that it's like, you, we are descendants of slaves, which means Christopher Columbus landed here 1619. Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, what, uh, 1592, something like that. Whatever the, whatever, that whatever the time frame is. Right. But essentially, if we've been coming in America since the 1600s, the first slave ship with Jamestown, Virginia, 1620 or something like that. If we've been coming here since the 1600s, that means we've been here longer than everyone else. 
And don't get me wrong, I can't just act like slavery didn't exist. They didn't like purposely put us in a disadvantaged, disenfranchised position. But I also can't act like in the 20s we ain't had Black Wall Street. I can't act like in the 20s we ain't have black banks, black businesses, our own businesses. You know, I can't act like that. Right. So, it's so many other cultural demographics that affect wealth. And I think that if we can read from, from a holistic perspective, if we can rebrand our culture to be more group oriented, be more forgiving of one another, and just change our thought process. Everything is thought process, yo. Yeah, as Everything you, is as you were talking man. about like like cultural things, I know I say this for a lot of Africans and I, I'm sure a lot of African Americans too. Like another thing I feel like I hold us back is feeling that responsible, like feeling like it's our responsibility to take care of our parents, mm. like financially, whatever, emotionally, mm. whatever. It's like that. Because that's why I said we start so far behind. Mm-hmm. Because we got to start from where they left off sometimes. And it ain't leave off anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we got to start off from nowhere. And then sometimes they expect us to take care of them. Like to like when we start getting when they expect us to like pay, help pay their bills. You feel me? Like so mm-hmm. we're start we're taking care of ourselves and them. And then we got to take care of our future family that mm-hmm. we got coming up. So it's hard to even build wealth because you feel like you're taking care of two different households. You mm-hmm. feel me? And that's when we were talking. I was thinking, but that's another thing I feel like definitely hold us back. And no, that's that's for a fact, yo. You make it in a black community. It's like you made it for the family, not for yourself. Right. <laughs> it's like yo, you made it. We all made it. We all made it. And everyone knows, you know. There's a limit to resources, no matter what. Like, exactly. I can't do everything for everybody. And um, no, that's definitely that's uh, you know, a, a ever going you know trauma that we have to find a way to try to fix. I don't necessarily know the solution to it because it's like your parents feel indebted. I mean, you know, they feel like you're indebted to them because of what they sacrifice. Right. But I think a big I think a big aspect of this is literally not listening to your parents, which sounds crazy. Like, yo, I talk to my pops, right? Love my pops. Like, I talk to my pops. And my pops will, like, give me advice. Like, he may give me financial advice or my mom may give me financial advice. And I be having to remind them, like, yo, you know I went to school and got a degree <laughs> in finance, right? Like, right. You, know, you know I'm not doing that, right? Yeah. Like, and I think they came up in an era where they didn't read a lot. They didn't know a lot. They a lot of what they did was based on trust and like listening to what someone said. Yeah. So they just went with it because someone that was older told them to do that. And they necessarily didn't understand the depth or the end result of right. a lot of that stuff. We come from a generation where we got the internet, we got social media, so we can do research. Oh, yeah. We don't got to just listen to something that nah. our parents are telling us. And this is one thing. Your parents might not like you temporarily for not listening to them, but they're going to respect you if you make a decision. And if they really love you, they're going to you know, be proud mm-hmm. that you came further than they did. Right. So... I think as you know, as young people, regardless of what our parents say and do sometimes, we got to get in that frame of mind like, yo, you lived your life. This is for me to live my life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, 
it seems selfish, you know what I mean? And it, it, it seems selfish, but the reality is that we'll never get ahead if we keep looking backwards. Nice. Like, if we keep trying, like, it's so crazy because it's like, yo, you see these uh, white politicians and stuff, they'll tell you in a heartbeat, like, yo, slavery's over. They'll tell you in a heartbeat, slavery is over. But it's like, we know that it's stuff that's lingering forward behind yep. that still. Definitely. But it's like, if they're not going to try to adjust nothing, we can't keep waiting for them. Mm -hmm. We got to try to find other ways to get stuff done. Like, and we got to we gotta get in positions to like, yo, I'm at a point now where, yo, I be giving my mom's advice. My mother called me like, hey, Shard, I'm trying to buy this. I'm trying to do that. What should I do? Like, how should I do that? I'm like, Ma, let me, I'm going to get on Excel and make you a budget real fast. Right. We're going to put this money to the side each month. You know, budget, we're going to do man. this. Like, that's a, budgeting, that's bro. A, that's another thing we don't even do much of. Budgeting, you know I mean? bro. Budgeting, like in our bro. community. If Something you, that simple. There's so many budgeting apps. If like, you lose your job right now, can you pay all major expenses exactly. for the next six months? Exactly. If you can't do that for the next six months, you need to revisit your savings account. Like yeah. You need to revisit whatever you're doing financially. If you can't if you can't get by for the next... Think about it like this. If I lose my job today, I'll spend, I'll spend a solid two months of potentially interviewing, potentially applying to places. Right. You'll go through two months of that just to become exactly. a viable candidate. Exactly. Let's just say that you get hired, you know what I mean? They may take two weeks to a month just to onboard three you. Three months, right? You're there. already three months in the hole. Yeah. You and this is assuming you get a job immediately. Exactly. So you got another three months just to stay ahead of the game or to break even. You feel me? Anything after that, you already in the hole. You whatever you was back. working towards, yeah. whatever your expenses was, you in the hole. So it's like we gotta always be forward thinking. And it's like we gotta we gotta learn places to park our money. Like, yo, my grandfather died. It was like $10,000 or something that they found in the safe. Like, because he didn't trust banks. And like, yo, I understand. Like, they didn't trust banks because in the 20s, in the Great Depression, a lot of black people was getting robbed. Like, yeah. banks was taking their bread. So that's all the more reason why we need to be bankers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo, when um this lad, when George Floyd got killed and I was downtown and like, it was a lot of protesting going on. And we was talking to like some local Baltimore City police officers. And they was like, um, y'all want to see changes in the police department. Y'all need to be police officers. And like at first I was like, man, that's bull. Like we pay taxes. I'm not yeah, trying to hear that. Right. But then it's like, <laughs> but then it's like when you really sit and think about it in hindsight, it's like, yo, the whole system is off. You can't fix a corrupt system if you're not infiltrating it from the inside. Yeah, yeah, the Yo, look at Martin Luther King. Look at Malcolm X. Like, look at all these great civil rights leaders, Haram Rebels, or Asa Philip Randolph. Yo, I'm quite sure all of them have been to prison. <laughs> like, yo, they didn't, like, laws didn't get changed because they voted. Laws got changed because they broke they the broke, law yeah, and yeah. then brought attention to it. That it was a BS law anyway. You feel what I'm saying? And it's, I just feel like... I feel like we are at a very dangerous place because they let us get comfortable. It's like, yo, you know the world's messed up. You know it's a lot of... You know, your attention is needed in these, like, all these places in your community. But you make $80,000 a year. You went out and bought a brand new CLA, Benz. 
you got a couple pair of Alexander McQueens, you can go on a couple vacations here and there. So it's like you don't feel that that obligation belongs, it belongs to you. To you. Yeah. So it's like when things start Selfish getting thoughts. yo, when things start getting hectic, like on the front line of a protest, yo, you got a you got a wife at home and a little little son, little daughter. You got a four hundred dollar car note. You got three hundred thousand dollar house. Is you gonna get hosed down? Is you gonna get pepper sprayed to prove a point? You're not trying to do that. And it's like yo, when I see that, that's mass systemic. All right, the grandparents they ain't have nothing. So it was nothing for them to be in the street. It's like, yo, they ain't what they was gonna go home to uh, split a meal between twelve brothers oh, and sisters anyway. Yeah. Like, it didn't mean nothing to them to fight because they didn't have anything. And I feel like we live in a world where they give us just enough to kind of like keep our keep mouths our, yep, shut. Keep our mouths shut. You feel me? They give us just enough to like, yo, they're not gonna really turn up, turn up. Like, all right, they gonna turn up. They are they mad? All right, we gonna give them the stimulus check. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? Like that's really yo, that's, that's really how I go, yo. Like the stim like and then the thing that's so crazy is like getting a stimulus check, you seen that, yo, they turn up, we're gonna pay them to shut them up. Then you also seen like, yo, how the government just create a trillion dollars, but for years they was telling us they couldn't do this, they couldn't can't, do that. Can't can't forgive students. Yo, loans. they don't even got change nowhere in the world. They don't even got allegedly don't even got cash money right now nowhere in the world. And the world is still operating. So you mean to tell me you can't end world hunger? You right. can't do something for these people in these shelters? Like, all oh, that's BS, yo. All that joint is BS. But it's like, again, we all over we 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 all over uh not just generational wealth right now, but it's like when you open your mind and you start to think in a way that things are systemic and I need to get to the root of each problem to solve that problem. And you got to start looking at other demographics that have become successful and not necessarily white Americans because white Americans are not the standard, yo. They're not the standard. Yo, these white Trump supporters, some of them that make $40,000 a year, and yep. they make what you make. Their exactly. kids go to school with you. Where you go. They live in your communities. Like, we put these people on these pedestals. They might not be buying designer clothes. They may have a different interest. But it's like, yo, in terms of money and wealth and knowledge, they ain't that much different than you. Nah. They got us. They got us fighting a war against each other on two opposite sides. And it's people up top that's controlling it all. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they just pawns the same way we is. So, I mean, we got to stop making them the standard. We need to start researching, like, what communities have the lowest divorce rates? Right. Mm. What communities have the highest graduation or retention rates? Right. What communities have the least amount of stress in old age? We got to start looking at total health concepts and, like, researching those type of communities. Not just thinking, like, yo, if it's white, it's right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, right. like, yo, you could not know nothing about a community, not know nothing about a school. Like, yo, white people live here, so it's cool. Nah, bro, like, do your research. Like, exactly. do your research. Like, it, it, it's more than that, too. Like, it's more than that, too. Man, good stuff. As we, as we about to wrap up here, I know earlier you talked about just ways. You said, you mentioned just, like, credit. Like, what are some other ways people can really, like, just practice building wealth? Like, like just a couple of different steps they can take. All right, so to zero on to zero in wealth, um, credit is important. 
understand right. how to leverage credit. Um, so many different techniques you can do to increase your credit score. Like you can pay your regular bills on a credit card and then take your debit card and pay it off right away. Pay aggressively on things. Um, if you have car notes, let's say your car note is two fifty a month, right? But you got three fifty is sitting in an account. Pay the two fifty and then take an extra hundred dollars and pay the extra hundred dollars. That's how you pay the interest off. You pay aggressively on your car notes, things like that. Anything that's an interest bearing, you know, expense or whatever, you pay aggressively on it. You pay less interest because you're paying it off faster. Yeah. Doubling up on payments, um, you know, paying more frequently. These are things that benefit your credit score in general. Um, in terms of like having interest bearing savings account. I don't care if it's three percent, I don't care if it's a CD, a certificate of deposit. Go to your local credit unions, MeQ, CQ, see about if they have CDs. Um, even stock. If you put five thousand dollars in I, a stock I like to uh, look at is VTI, Vanguard Total Index. It's the total stock market. You put five grand in there and you know you add to it every month or you let it sit. Right. The stock market typically grows naturally, so you'll get a return on that investment. You feel what I'm saying? Um, understanding the value of, of cash again. Cash is always king. Cash is liquid. Cash is not borrowing money. You're not paying interest. It's understanding the um, the benefit of cash. Um, try to focus on buying appreciating assets at all times, not mm -hmm. depreciating assets. You know, like, don't be so focused on cars and clothes. Like, try to get books, <laughs> you feel me? Things that have intangible Boy, cars value. cars and clothes, you know, that, you know we love that. Man, look, but the, man, a lot of the, a lot of that is cultural and a lot of that is not necessarily our fault. Like, you got to think history in Africa or, you know, not even necessarily Africa, but pre-civilization, things like silver, gold, there's an abundance. Right. So for us to like these things or be fixated by these things doesn't necessarily mean that we're poor culturally. It just means something that was once in abundance. There's now a person controlling that market and limiting it and making it cost even more. So it's like, you know, but to get back on wealth and not off topic, right? definitely interest bearing savings account, definitely understand credit, save, 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 budget, budget, budget. Like, yo, if you got the, if you got the ability, get a part-time job, get a side hustle, get a side gig. Like everyone says the same things, how multiple streams of income is important like but you know when you, we're young so i got two jobs right now like when will you ever be more comfortable working a part-time time time. to do that you yeah. won't you feel me you'll have a wife you'll have kids you'll be old and you know tired like yo now is the time like grind it out like get it and like don't be afraid to take chances that's the biggest thing like take calculated risks because the, the thing is you're young Risky investments, mm -hmm. uh, big life decisions. You have time to bounce back from it now. Like, and a lot of successful people um, started from nothing. Mm -hmm. When you have nothing, it's a different level of motivation that kind of fuels you. So if you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, don't be discouraged. Just use it as motivation. You know what I mean? Like use it as motivation. Another thing I can't emphasize enough: build your networks. Talk to people, yo. Like, Very important. Talk to people. I was just, I was just talking to somebody um, last week. One of my frat brothers um, from College Park, Dwayne. Give Dwayne a shout out, uh, Dwayne Wallace. He got a podcast going too. 
but um he just put me on to somebody on youtube i can't think of her name but everything in regards to the sba association with the government like grants the idol um grant that's about to come out yeah things part of the covid release like she just dropped mad knowledge and it's free money out here like don't it's don't get me wrong definitely it, it ain't easy it's not easy out there. get on the sba website black women it's mad grants on the sba website it's crazy grants for y'all like definitely like lock in whatever your business is find out if you have a business like understand the difference between like being a sole proprietor or a limited liability company like understand how to separate your assets you know put things in your business name right. build business credit like there's so many different things and um have an insatiable thirst for knowledge don't ever feel like I know enough know or enough. Yeah. I heard about this already. Like, nah. if I say something that's wrong, yo, when when I'm not around or even if I am around, pull up your phone, fact check it. Like, yo, have... agree with it. Yo, don't disagree with things. Don't just sign your name on things. Yo, have an insatiable thirst for knowledge. Like, always, always. And there's free sources for everything. There's free real estate agents. There's not free agents, but like free people you can talk to, like to get advice, like free attorneys. Like I think a lot of like up and coming attorneys can give you like some type of free counsel. Yeah. Like and you go to different universities. Like it's ways to find people. It's resources out here, man. It's resources, man. It's resources. Like and a lot of our free time be going to what? Social media. That's really it. Social really media it. and partying, bro. It's like, yo, yo. It's like, if you think about the average day, that's 24 hours in a day, right? Right. In order to have a healthy day, for the most part, you got to sleep eight hours. You're down to 16. If you work a regular nine to five, that's eight hours of work. You're down to eight hours. Let's say it takes you an hour to drive to and from work. An hour to in the morning, an hour from in the evening. That's two more hours gone. You're down to six hours. You eliminate... Eating that takes an hour. Yeah, you're down to five hours. You got about four to five hours a day. That's if you're single. If you're in a relationship. You might as well knock out two more hours. <laughs> so you really got about you really got about three. Yo. You got about three or four hours Just a day for to make your life Better. different tomorrow yeah. than it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. You got about three or four hours. So. When you understand that, get up early in the morning. You know this week, what I've been doing this week at 4.30. Getting up too early. Getting up, going to the gym, you feel me? Like getting up, going to the gym, getting the workout in early. Get your mind going early. Wake up early. Yo, like that them three to four hours that you have time. I'm not saying be a bookworm. I'm not saying consume yourself to where you're overwhelmed and unmotivated. Yeah. Really try to get some practical time to enhance something about yourself and always remember like a lot of times we think that the opposite of success is failure and that's not true failure is actually a part of success like you can't get to success unless you have failure yeah like the thing about life is that everything in life has a duality like Mm -hmm. the opposite of day is night the opposite of good is bad like there's dualities and the dualities make you can't have day without night yeah 
You can't have good without bad. Because if, if, yeah. you, if you have no bad, what's your concept of good? It can't exist. You can't have life without death. You have to think about success the same way. You can't have success without, without failure. Yeah. So when you think on those like paradigms and they start to like govern your decisions, you'll start doing things you don't even realize that you're doing that are yielding your success. You start making habits of things. And if you repeat anything, good or bad in life, you form habit. Yeah. So... Yo, if you do, if you got three hours and you read a book for an hour for three days in a row, then six days in a row, then nine, then 18, you just formed a habit. Yep. That habit may yield you all kinds of blessings, you know, at the end of the tunnel, but you just formed a habit. Yeah. So, um, and the last thing I guess that I want to leave everybody with is like yo there's no right or wrong in this there's no <laughs> right or wrong like there's no absolute way mm -hmm. there's no like when i first kind of got on this wealth journey i had like way 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 back you had people like talking about wake up now when the we had the vetco knives or whatever you'll have a uh, prime america you'll have like all these other insurance companies like all these um, ACN or all these other companies. And it's like, what people don't realize is that someone else's way to generational wealth may not necessarily be your way. Mm. So a lot of times we might see a vision like, yo, I got I to gotta bring V on. I got to bring V on. And his way may be something completely different, different than, yeah. what I, than what I think it is. And it's like, you have to find that own way. Trust me, if I try to bring V on to my way, he's a far less feasible asset than if he finds his own way and we stay in a good rapport with one another. Right. That's like if I'm a doctor and he's a lawyer, he might struggle all through medical school if I tried to force him to medical school. Mm. But if he's a lawyer... I got a lawyer on standby. He got a doctor on standby. On standby, yeah. You just built a network. So I think in the black community, we got to get out of the habit of, I'm going to do this because so-and-so did it. Did it, yeah. Find out what your thing is. That's what life is about. Life is about finding the thing that you love, making money off of it. Man, good stuff, bro. Good stuff. And that's all. That's that's all for the folks. <laughs> Good stuff. We we definitely we definitely gonna do another one for y'all because we have a lot more we can dive. We might gotta charge y'all. Like yeah. like <laughs> like we got a we lot got a more lot, we can dive we got a lot into. to dive in, man. So we definitely gonna do another one. Before you go, I just have two more questions. Fun questions actually. Alright, all right. So if you so if you if you had to invite five people to a dinner table that are alive, who would it who would they be and why? If I had to invite five people to a dinner table, dead, dead or, or alive. alive, and who would they be and why? Ooh, um, dang, that's tough. Uh, first person that I would probably invite would have to be Malcolm X. Um, just because, like, I've been following Malcolm X for like the longest time. Uh, in terms of his speeches, like how he came from nothing, like, how he carried himself. And I think that he's, like, arguably one of the most underrated persons to exist. Um, 
definitely probably throw Claude Anderson in the mix just because I like how he think. He got a big rapport. He's he's older, so he's from that generation. Um, dang, I gotta find three more people. Three more. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So I got Malcolm. I got Claude Anderson. Who else is somebody that I'm like oh crazy interested in? Um, that could give me some type of knowledge. Probably my grandfather, rest in peace, uh, Clarence Wise. Yeah. Um, just in terms of like general life advice, um, I would definitely want him at the table. Um, I feel like we need some women, man. I can't have all, can't have all dudes, man. <laughs> um, hey, it's definite, your pick. It's your pick. Um, definitely, definitely, uh, bangs with uh, Madam C.J. Walker. Okay. Um, Solid pick. Madam C.J. Walker was like super ahead of time on the business, the business uh, aspect, like just like you know light years ahead of herself and just had like a different resilience to be great. You feel what I'm saying? Like, so, um, wait, I'm at, that's what, Malcolm? That's four. I got Malcolm, Claude Anderson, Man C.J. Walker. Grandpa. And my grandfather. And let me think, I gotta have one other person. Hmm. One more. I gotta go, I gotta go good. I gotta go good with this one. Let me think, let me think. Hmm. Um, I would probably say Dane Calloway. And most exactly. people don't know. So Dane Calloway is uh he's a for, he's a he's born in DC. Um Dane Calloway is like an ethno historian. Okay. And um y'all could tap into him on YouTube. He he's like real big on conspiracy theories and a lot of stuff, but like a lot of uh the knowledge that I have came from like watching some of his videos and like just wanting to dig deeper about my history, about my ancestry, like knowing where I really come from, knowing the true history of the world, um, all the knowledge that I've acquired and all the knowledge that I know nothing of. Yo, I gotta have one other person, yo. I gotta have six people, yo. And this person gonna throw everybody <laughs> off, yo. You could you were struggling to come up with five, I got I got I got Go the I got the one more person, yo, and it's gonna be such a curveball. Okay. Mike Tyson. Okay, so you got to replace Mike Tyson with somebody on the list already. Dang, I can't have them all? Nah, five. So you got to replace Mike. So you got, it's Mike Tyson. You want Mike Tyson more or you want the other person more? Well, I, why, no, no. Why Mike Tyson? Man, I'm about, to, I'm about to cheat. One, I'm going to remove my grandfather <laughs> because he's in my spirit. You feel right. me? So it's like he's with me. Whether or not I'm at that table, so I feel mm -hmm. like he don't necessarily gotta be at the table. At the That's, table. He's in me. He's invested in me. Right. So I put Mike Tyson um, there, and the reason why I say Mike Tyson is because um, Mike Tyson is the epitome of an individual who has superseded a lot of obstacles, despite having like an insane level of insecurity. Uh, not being confident. Mm -hmm. If you see him in the ring, you would think like he's this Neanderthal, like yeah. among men. Like, but if you watch him in interviews, like Mike Tyson comes from nothing, from Brownsville. His mo his mom was a prostitute. His dad was a sex worker. Like his entire life was just like mad rough, mm -hmm. and he never believed in himself until he met Customato, who was his trainer. Everything that Mike Tyson accomplished that was great was not because of himself. And like if you watch his interviews, though, he's like one of the most humble people. But in terms of his weight, the way he thinks of life, 
Like, he's not afraid of death. Like, that whole idea I, I brought up earlier when, like, life, the concept of life cannot exist without death. Yeah. That's something that Mike Tyson says all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, about speaking of the duality for real. Yeah. And, like, I think, and another thing people don't know about me is, like, boxing, my favorite sport. So. I feel you. Good picks. Good so, picks. All right, last question. All right, let me get ready. Let if there's one, one person... You feel like I should have on the podcast. Who should they be and why? And this person, if you say this person, you got to help me get this person on. One person <laughs> on this podcast. Who should it be and why? Um, and I got to help you get them on. All right, so I'm going to go with somebody I can't. I can't. <laughs> Not even why, just somebody you feel like I should have on and then... And then you gotta help me get this person on. So okay, so one person I think you should have on this podcast is one of my personal friends. His name is Jawan McCoy. Uh, we call him Mo. Um, I think you should have him on this podcast because me and him share very similar ideals and always have for a long time. He's actually um, a children's book author. Okay. Um, so he's a He's from Baltimore, um, Baltimore sure. native. So very authentic in terms of person, in terms of like his knowledge, and um, definitely has a lot to give the community. And I don't necessarily know what platform he's on, but um, I would not be surprised if his platform isn't somewhere great within the next, you know, five to ten years. Okay. So. Name Jawan McCoy. I I I help you uh, get him on here. All right, say no more. Say no more. Well, man, appreciate you, man. Any last words for the people before we, we leave? Follow me at Shardo underscore four on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on like a social media fast right now, so I'm not posting. <laughs> but still follow me. Yo, everybody is on a social media fast right now, bro. Man, I'm on a fast because I just feel like it was taking way too much of my time, and I feel like it was too negative. So. I need to rebrand some of the people that I'm following, some of the content that I'm putting on there. But um, follow me on social media. Yo, if y'all ever had a question, want to rap, need anything, yo, get my number from V. Reach out to me. Like, um, I'm willing to give advice. I'm willing to help people out. Like, my man just was trying to buy a car last week. I was at the dealer with him, mm -hmm. giving him insight on yep. trying to get pre-approved before right. going to the dealership so they don't rob you with interest rates. Like, right. you know, um, I'm definitely just trying to be a resource that I wish I had hey, yeah. to my younger self. Um, another thing, just like this is just like a, a a key advice thing. This is a life thing, not necessarily based on this, but make sure that you guys always love yourselves and that sounds like mm -hmm. mad cliche but it's like you'll get caught up doing so many things in life because you're looking for the acceptance of someone else yeah. and not that you necessarily love yourself look at how many trends we follow look at how many you know situations we put ourselves in all trying to impress or get the acceptance you know from someone else because you didn't love yourself enough to mm -hmm. say that's not really you that's not you even when it comes to decisions from your parents like you know your parents may want you to do one thing but if you love yourself enough you'll never forgive yourself 
for doing what someone else told you when you could have did what you wanted, wanted to, to do. do. Yeah. You know, and it's like I think it's a difference between a regret and like loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think that I think that there's a difference. I think a regret is like a it's a situational thing. And right. Like people's like, oh, I don't regret anything. Like that's bull because I do. <laughs> You know, you're human. You make decisions yeah. and you wish you would have made other decisions. But, um, so there are situations that I say I regret. But in terms of loving myself, I think that's a journey. And I think that if I ever acted in a way where I didn't have my best interest or I didn't exhibit that I love myself, I think that was just a part of me going through that journey. Mm. So, but that's all I got, man. Until next time. Yeah, man. Like you said, till next time, man. Appreciate you coming on. We we're we're gonna have another one for y'all soon. Already, bro. But as always, appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Hope you guys stay safe. Peace. Ah!